Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Sand Cove. It's this beautiful little spot on the far end of our lake up in northern Maine. I've spoken about this before. It's a place where there are no camps, lots of woods all around, and little or no access except by boat. As the name implies, it's very sandy. Actually, there's lots of mica in the sand, fool's gold, as it's sometimes called, so the place literally sparkles gold in the sun. And it's a great place to take your kids to swim, with big rocks on the shore to climb on and a clearing for a picnic. This is where I'd taken my son Zach and his friend Sean one warm summer afternoon some years ago now. You see, the thing about Sand Cove is that it's shared by all of us who live on the lake. Since there's not a whole lot of room there, traditionally we've always chosen to take turns using the space. Basically, the rules are this. If you have been there for a while and another boat approaches, it's just considered good form to move on, let others take their turn. And that's what happened on this particular day. We'd been at the cove for a couple of hours. We'd had a lot of fun. When we look out and we see that there's a motorboat coming, filled with people and pulling a water skier behind them. Seemed pretty clear that these folks were coming in for their picnic. And since we were pretty much ready to go anyway, we started packing up to leave. Just about the time that the motorboat swung sharply around the cove to drop off the water skier. And friends, this man was good. He was skiing slalom, and, and when he let go of the tow rope, he skimmed effortlessly across the water and almost got the whole way into shore before he sank down into the water. Now, I got to tell you, I'm always impressed with people who can do that, especially people who are about my age, which this man was. So I called out, nice, nice skiing. And the man looks back at me, keeps on walking to shore, and says absolutely nothing back. Okay, I didn't think too much about that. After all, we didn't know each other, so I tried again, a little louder this time. Hey, you looked really good out there. Great day to be on the lake, isn't it? Nothing. This guy doesn't say a word to me. So now I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm thinking, maybe this man couldn't speak English. We do have some French Canadians living up in that part of the world. Perhaps he's uncomfortable with the situation, or, or maybe he's just one of those people who don't put themselves out to talk to anybody. Whatever it was, I have to tell you, this is not how we do things on the pond. And I was starting to get a little put out. A feeling that only intensified as their boat came ashore. I waved again flashing a winning smile to the rest of the family, and not a single one of them waved back. Not a single one. They totally ignored me. And now I've decided that these people are just jerks. Even worse, I'll bet they're from outer state. Well, obviously, it was time for us to go. So looking towards the father, I say, this time with much less of a cordial tone, we'll be out of your way in just a minute so you can pull your boat up. It's at this point, the mother, who had been busy piloting the boat ashore, turns to me and says, very sweetly, Oh, thank you so much, sir. I'm sorry, my husband does not mean to be rude, but you see, he's almost completely deaf. 
and without his hearing aids in, he can't hear a word anybody says. Oh, well, I'd never even considered that possibility. And trust me, immediately I began to feel more than just a little bit embarrassed. Here I was thinking the absolute worst about these people when the reality was completely different. They were actually very nice. And as they helped us with our boat and thanked us all over the place for letting them use the cove, I found myself thinking how quickly my opinion of these people had changed. A change based almost entirely on the shift of my flawed perception of them. It's amazing, isn't it? How easily our perception of things and people and situations affect our view of reality? It's particularly true, I think, as to how we view our Christian faith. In many ways, it's perception that makes all the difference. As Christians, our reality is informed by the fact that we perceive God in Jesus Christ as our crucified and risen Lord, the way, the truth, and the life, both the harbinger and the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, all of which makes for a perception unique and radically different from that of the rest of the world. In fact, I would go so far to say that the very essence of Christianity is that in following Jesus, each person is given a brand new perception of God, of life, and of eternity, and thus are given a brand new reality. We see this time and time again in the Gospels. The story of a tax collector who becomes a disciple. The story of a woman at a well who finds new joy in life. The story of a thief on a cross who is welcomed into paradise. Each one a person who found new reality in their encounter with Jesus. It's a redemptive change in perception that continues to be offered to you and me through Jesus Christ. And if you want a Bible verse for that, here it is, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. You see, friends, as Christians, we are that new creation. We are the people of a new reality that comes to us in Jesus Christ. And I tell you this because so often it's the false perceptions about life and faith that pull us away from what we know to be real and true in Jesus Christ. False perceptions about God that leads us to cling to the kind of old prejudices, shop-worn ideas, and bad excuses that keep us from truly embracing the new reality that Christ brings to us. The very nature of our Christian faith is that our perceptions need to shift, shift far away from that which keeps us from God, that you and I should be viewing things in a different light, specifically the light of this new reality we've been given by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Lori Beth Jones, in her wonderful book that's entitled Jesus Life Coach, tells of taking an art class in which the very first thing she had to learn, even before she could learn to begin to draw a particular object, was to see that object, quote, as it really is, not how we think it looks, unquote. She had to learn to look at the object in question and identify its source of light. For instance, she wrote, this vase on the table before me, where was the light coming from? If the light was coming from the window on the left side of the room, that affected every aspect of drawing that vase. It made a difference with the shading, the depth, and the volume. 
so it is with life itself, and also faith. And this is something a great many people never learn. To quote Jones again, Religious robes and words, fancy offices and big bank accounts do not automatically offer light. Jesus, she says, was adamant that only God can be our light. When we begin to understand that, friends, not only do we come to see more clearly what's true about God, we also start looking at everything else with a fresh eye. All because God has become our true source of life and life. And it's amazing, given that kind of new perspective, how differently we begin to perceive the challenges we have to face in this life. How our attitudes start to shift regarding, shall we say, the more difficult people in our lives. Or how, suddenly it seems, the gut-wrenching choices we have to make become clear and actually kind of obvious. It's all because we found our true source of light. And the discovery of that light cannot help but shift the reality of our very lives. You know, it seems to me that a very good spiritual discipline for any of us to adopt would be to stop for a moment and allow our senses to dwell on what God is doing in the midst of our daily activity, as opposed to obsessing on what we think is going on in those moments. Perhaps to let God be the source of light that by its very presence will reveal the true meaning of our lives and living. Who knows? Perhaps with that light helping us to truly see, we'll end up discovering a brand new reality that in turn will make us brand new as well. And not just for one day, but for every day that comes in this life and eternally. And the thing is, it all starts by letting that little light shine. And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.